The verse I want to look at is in uh, chapter 2, verse 10, but before we get there, we have to walk through some scriptures here and look at some things. Uh, one of the things that you see here in, in Ephesians is Paul mentions this several times, and he looks at the power of God as opposed to the power of Satan. And the power of God can work in a person's life or the power of the enemy can work in a person's life. Now, this, this can be applied to non-Christians. Of course, we know that. They, we'll see that they're called the children of disobedience. Uh, but a Christian can have various sources as far as what they do. Uh, and the source of course, should be the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what should be coming out and flowing out. Uh, but that's not always the case, especially when it comes to works. You see in the Bible, it talks a lot about works. And uh, we'll see if we can get to this today. But just uh, in chapter 1, verse 11... In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him and according to the counsel of his will. So the call has gone out to all men. Whosoever will can respond to the gospel. And you see that some people respond to the gospel maybe the first time they hear. Others, it takes some time, and still others will go years and years and years and years. Uh, the Lord continually trying to bring them into circumstances, bring them into certain things to bring, a, uh, bring them to a point where they can make a decision for the Lord. And then some will never, for, for whatever reason, reason, they just decide they're going to continue on in their own life, in their own ways, and uh, their life moves toward difficulty and problems and trouble and ruin, and they continue and persist in that way. But God would not have it that way. And so he sends Jesus Christ, and he dies for us on the cross, rose from the dead the third day, and brings the life of God to man. That's what, that's what he wants. It's what he wants for all of us, the life of God. And so here he says that, in him, and when he says in him, that means that the person or the individual or the group, whomever, has responded to the gospel and they have been placed in this position in Christ. And then he goes on, uh, let me see here. Then he goes on in verse 16 and he begins to express this wish or this desire or this prayer uh, for the Ephesian church and, of course, for whomever. He says, I do not uh, cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, or in connection to 
Jesus. So this prayer here that Paul prays is for those who hear, for those who read this epistle, for those who have heard the word of God, that somehow, some way, that God would give to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, because the, the prayer is voiced, because the prayer is prayed, does not mean that this is a sure thing that all these people, and including you, will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. So the, the verb inflection here indicates that for most, this is not going to be the case. And the reason why it's not going to be the case is because that Christians do not direct their steps according to the will and purpose of God. See, you can't just go and do what you want in your life you can't just live the way you want, make your own decisions apart from God, and, and think that, okay, now you're going to come into this richness that Christ died to give you. Now, you may make it to heaven, that's fine, but there's a lot more going on in the Christian walk than heaven. And so Paul prays this prayer, hoping that these would respond and walk with God, not just for a short period of time, not for a month, not for a year, not for just four or five years, but that they would walk with God continually, continually, so that they have this awareness when they're at home, not, not just a church, when they're at home, when they're at work, that the Lord wants to do something in their life and work in their life and take them down the path to greater richness and greater blessing of the Lord. And so that will mean that we all, all of us, must make certain choices we must make certain decisions. So you come, just for example, you come to church. So what decision do you have to make now that you're here? Well, the Lord will work through His Word, through the moving of the Spirit, to bring the heart into submission and into surrender to Him. So that if, the heart, your heart, is surrendered to Jesus Christ, then now He can take you by the hand and He can lead you in the way that you must go to obtain certain things and certain promises that are given in the Word. So, you know, you have in any church, you know, you have a church of 5,000 people, let's say, you have all these different heart conditions represented by these people there. And the Lord will work, and He will move. He will come in His Word, through His Word, to try to soften the heart of those 
that are there in the church. But, you know, that can be successful with some and unsuccessful with others. So, you know, when you're sitting there, are you in a place now, today, where your heart is open to the Lord, to where your heart goes out to Jesus saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want you to come and change me. I want you to change my heart and my life. And I want to follow you in truth. Not just come to church. Not just hear the words from the Bible. But that that would do something inside. That that would touch the heart. So that there would be a redirection. And a a movement toward the Lord. So for you and myself to have what Paul is praying for. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's just not... That's not some words that just are floating around here. It's going to take our directing our hearts a certain way. Not for a short period of time, but for the long haul. Then you'll see certain things that you never saw before. And that the eyes of your, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling for you. That you would understand that the Lord has called you. And that you would proceed in that way to understand what that call is. Well, I don't do anything but raise kids. Don't think that can't be a calling. The calling is not always to preach or teach. But whatever it may be, see, he wants you to be brought into that so you understand the purpose now, today, for you in this life, what he has prepared for those that love him. That you may know, that the eyes of your understanding being like that, you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches, excuse me, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of, of his power toward us who believe according to the working. The word working there is the Greek word energia. See, so there, there is an energia of God that comes through the word, through the gospel, through obedience to him. And then you have the energia of the evil one And those who follow after this world system, follow after the evil that is in this world, and the desires and the lust of the flesh, they follow after that and they are energized to go in that way. So you may have someone who is is energized to obtain wealth. And, and they'll do anything. They'll work 18 hours a day. They'll let their family, uh, you know, to themselves. They'll do whatever they can and whatever they need to do to obtain wealth. Or maybe it's, it's a sexual desire. They'll do anything to go and, uh, you know, have that thing fulfilled. 
And they're energized in that. Why? Because the enemy, the Satan, the energy, energy of their the enemy of their soul energizes them to move in that way. But see, you are to be energized by the Spirit of God so that you walk according to His will and His way and His purpose for your life. That's what the Lord wants for you. That's what He wants for me. According to the working or the energy of His mighty power, His manifest power. So I wanted to read that to show you that there is an energy, I'll use that word because that's the English word we know, there is an energy or energia that the Lord funnels toward the Christian. Now it says uh, in the Old Testament, the, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro seeking for a man in whom or woman in whom he can make himself or show himself strong to. To the one who says, Lord, I am going to walk with you, I am going to serve you, and I'm going to walk down this path. That one, the Lord wants to energize to move in the gospel, to move in the power of the gospel, the power to change them, and the power to change possibly others. Now in chapter 2, verse 1, And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, I, I don't know every single person here today, but either you have responded to Jesus, you've responded to the gospel, and you have said yes to him, and you're, you're on this path now, moving toward the Lord, toward, moving toward God, moving in His purpose, or you're not. So, Paul here is speaking to those in this church who have responded to the preaching of the gospel. And he says, And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. So, when I look out here, there are those, you see, you, you're all physically alive. You're all breathing. But that does not mean that you are alive spiritually. He says that you were made, you were dead in trespasses and sin. And then he goes on and says you were made alive later. But you were dead. If a person has not responded to the gospel, they are dead. And... There are some who have responded to the gospel, maybe five years ago, ten years ago, who knows when, and are dead. When, when we were at the, uh, the jail, we asked uh, the prisoners, uh, how many of you have received Christ when you were younger? And over 50% of the hands went up. And there they were, sitting in jail, dead spiritually. Oh, they received Christ. But what did that mean? There was never a follow-through. Well, I think, you know, uh, I'll accept Jesus, and I'll do what I want. Forget what the Bible says. The Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Uh, I'll do my own thing. I'm not going to go to church. I'll go over here and do this and do that. I'll make my own decisions. And one thing led to another, another thing led to another, and ended up in prison. Dead, 
spiritually dead. And you, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world or this age. Now, this indicates in this verse that supernatural forces play a role in a person's activity and their destiny. You once walked according to the course of the, this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So there, there's spiritual forces at work that for the most part, people do not see and understand. So that if, if we would all go down to Washington, D.C., and we could all go in to a session of Congress, and we could... Listen to, have you ever listened to C-SPAN? Listen to these guys. They talk, they can talk the hoofs off a horse. They talk and talk and talk and talk. And a lot of times nothing ever gets done. But they talk about this problem here in the government and this problem over here and this problem in this part of the world and this problem in this part of the world. And then the murder rate in the District of Columbia is, is the, one of the highest in the country. And then you have Chicago and you have Detroit and you know, all these different problems, but they never ever see the root. See, what's the root? The root is that there are principalities and there are powers at work in society, in this fallen world, that come upon people and use people to murder, to do whatever. They influence the person's will, and the person makes a decision to go rob a bank, or to do this, or to do that, or, or to take a bribe. And they never see the root of what's really going on. Oh, it's the Democrats. Oh, it's the Republicans. Oh, it's the Independents. Oh, it's the Parliament. It's all, you know, it goes on and on and on. Well, the problem in the world is that we're not green. They have all these, these things that they bring out, but they, they're blind. They never see that what Paul is saying here, the prince of the power of the air, that there are spiritual forces supernatural forces that play a role in th these activities. And they play a role in the destiny of man. They will try to influence your will so that you do not make the decision for Jesus, or they will try to influence your will so that you will not make the right choice and walk according to His will and His purpose. Do we see that? That takes a revelation. That takes the Lord you know, opening your eyes to see that. Now, ultimately, you and I make the decision. You know, the, um, an evil spirit can't make a decision for you. He can influence you, maybe. But you don't, you don't have to go that way. But Paul is saying here that we once, before we came to Christ... Walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Or the spirit, let me see here, 
the course of this world, according to the prince. Now, this, this word here in English, according to, is a Greek preposition, kata, and it's, it's uh, interpreted and um, translated according to in, in different ways. But in actuality, the word means down. See, because that's the ultimate purpose of the prince of the power of the air. Now, you know that it's Satan is to take you down. He wants you down and out. He doesn't want you walking in the truth. He doesn't want you serving the Lord. He doesn't want you coming to church. He doesn't want you reading your Bible. His ultimate purpose is to cast you down. So you're down and out. No good to the kingdom of God. And he says here, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works, and that word is energio. It's a form of the same word we looked at before. See, there's an energio. There's an energy there, too. Have you ever seen anybody get energized watching a football game? What do you think that is? Let's go down a tailgate. Now, I used to have season tickets. I had season tickets for the Steelers for the first three Super Bowls that they won. And the Lord just, whew. me, I could care less if I watch any sport, and I, I, any of them. They, they have no power over me. But you see these people, and there they are. <laughs> they paint this fa- their face. They put the clothes on. And they're out there dancing on their way all the way to their seat. What, what is that? That's energio. They're energized by another force, or can be. Not, of, course, of course, not everybody that does that, I guess, is energized that way. I don't know. But I do know that there is an energy that the enemy will pour into a person to get them to go a certain way or not go a certain way. Well, I'm not going to church. I'll go fishing. And you're out there, you know, no problem getting up 4 o'clock in the morning, going out on a boat or whatever and go fishing, but you don't have the energy to come to church. Why? Because there's another energy involved here. And he says, the spirit who now works, and that's a present participle. That means that it's continual working, presently, continually. This, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So you have the children of God, or the sons of God, and you have the sons of disobedience. Both energized, and both moving in a different direction, both having different desires, you know, what's uh, important to them. It's just like day and night, because it is day and night. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. We were all there. So you responded to the gospel. He's brought you out from something. Paul says, before, that's where you were. He says, and that's where you conducted. You conducted your whole life according to the lusts of your flesh. The flesh. Now, let me read this. This is um, from Galatians 5. This is a little picture, a little picture of the flesh. Um, 
And by the way, the, the word desire, is it in there? Where is it? Yes, the word desires here in verse 3 means determination, a choice. A person determines or makes a choice to move in that way, in the lust of the flesh. So in Galatians 5, it says, this is the lust of the flesh, immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill-temper, uh, selfishness. That should, be on, that should be in the beginning of the list, Mike, <laughs> I think, but it's there anyway. Divisions, dissensions, a party spirit, factions, secular, uh, sects with particular uh, opinions and heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warned you before, just as I did previously, that those who do such things <clears throat> shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul says that to a de certain degree, we were all involved with the lust of the flesh, envy, strife, uh, drunkenness, idolatry, jealousy, immorality. That, that's where we were before. But see, the gospel came, and the Lord reached down into your heart and life. You responded, and he pulled you out of that. And now he places you in a totally different place. He places you in the place where now you have before you all of the blessing of God that you can obtain. And when I say blessing, I don't mean money, houses, cars, or anything like that. I'm talking about spiritual blessing, where He blesses you in your heart and in your life, and He takes this heart that moves toward ruin, and He, mo he moves you in a different way toward the, you know, toward the Lord. This is what He does. So he says, we were all once, we conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. This is verse 3. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, the children of disobedience. Well, that's where we were. Boy, the grace of God, the grace of God to reach man is something. The grace of God that he has given to come in and to help us to make this decision for Christ initially is quite amazing. That's why they call it amazing grace. And... The grace of God here and now to come to you, to help you, to walk with him and to move along this pathway that he has ordained for you, his will, his purpose. The grace of God coming to you that you respond to is amazing. Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God. So as we, as Christians, respond to the grace of God, then the Lord can begin to bring you along and put many of the characteristics of the Lord 
to whatever degree he can, into our lives. So, so this is really a phenomenal thing, what the Lord has done. And, and I hope we haven't gone so far away from our roots that we don't remember where the Lord has taken us from, what he's done. You're looking back and seeing the way you were, and seeing maybe some of the things that you used to do, or where you used to go, or how you used to treat people. And we were all like that. And you can look back and see yourself, and then he's come, and he's, by his grace, he took you out of that place. And he placed your feet upon this solid rock called Christ Jesus. And, and there you go. And then you go down the road, and, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you look and you say, wow, how did I get here? Because he's done a good work in your heart. A good work. So in verse 4, I like the first two words. But God. <laughs> here you were. You're, you're in your old life. You did all these different things. You know, you, some people were more miserable than others. No satisfaction. But God. There was an intervention. But God. And he intervenes. And there now is the fork in the road, so to speak. Oh, which way should I go? Well, when, when I heard the gospel, I was, it just, I was caught up. I was like, why haven't I never heard this before? <laughs> well, I go to church every day before school. Why didn't I hear this? But God intervened now. And there I was. And I could see something, but I didn't know what it was. I know what it was. I could see something. What is that? It's, it's dim. I can't make out what it is. But I knew there was something there. And when I responded, within a few hours, the Lord spoke to me from his word. Never to be the same again. I didn't know at the time, but... But God intervened. He intervened for you in your life. When you responded to the gospel, God intervened and changed the course and the direction of your life. And some of us, for all eternity, if we don't go back into the pigsty. But God, who is rich in mercy. Now, there's a verse uh, in Corinthians that says, But no temptation has overtake you except as is common to man, but God is faithful. I love it. Another intervention. You're in the temptation, but God is faithful. So the temptation's okay. The test's okay. Just wait for the intervention there. God's faithful in it. And you'll see it. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, do you have in your heart a picture of the love of God? For you personally. Do you understand that Jesus died for you? Do you understand that whenever he was hanging on the cross and his blood was pouring out of his body onto the ground, that he loved you? He had you in mind. He had all of us in mind. 
I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. And, you know, even when Jesus was on the cross, in all this agony and pain, he still was spiritually aware of what was going on. That's why he could lead this thief on the cross next to him into paradise. Because he was still spiritually aware of things. His love. See, he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't given up on you. He didn't take you when you made a mistake or when you sinned and threw you away. No, he waits. And he comes to you hoping to restore and to have you now like a soldier marching. Okay, Lord. You know, one of the things about being in the military, one of the things you learn real fast is that you're not in control. <laughs> you're not in control of your life anymore. And I'll never forget when I showed up at boot camp, it was a scary thing. And there you are sitting on your duffel bags. It was, it was late at night. It was dark and there was animals rustling behind you. It was just crazy stuff. And then the drill sergeant comes out. And he starts giving you orders. Well, you have a choice. Either you submit to the orders or you can rebel and run or take off or do whatever, which isn't going to help. And so you, you find out right away that the best thing to do is, is to surrender to this because, I mean, this is going to be for your, for your benefit. And remember what uh, John said, John Feldovich, about his, uh, his drill sergeant. He said if he would have saw him on the, the battlefield, he would have been the first one to shoot him until he got to the battlefield. And then he said he'd like to thank the guy for, for training him in all the hard times. So the Lord wants you as a soldier. You, you surrender to him. But see, he's different. He orders you through love. He's something. He'll do things for you and touch your life in such a way that you'll want to surrender to him. You'll see that he loves you. See, to me, I, it's kind of, I don't know. I say, Lord, I, I don't understand. Why do you love me? Why have you died for me? Why did you come and search me out? You know, I had 200 and some other people that I graduated high school with, and to my knowledge, to my knowledge, none of them that I know of have been saved. They may, they may be by now. I don't know. But I think, now all these people, you know, why did he come to me? Why did he come to you personally? You. You know, who am I? I'm no one. You know, why, Lord? <laughs> the one who made and created everything, he came to me. He came to you. That's this amazing love that he has. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. And there we were, walking in our own will, walking in our own way. In the frustrations of life. Has anybody ever experienced the frustrations of life? Can't life be frustrating? 
I'm not hearing anybody say yes or raising their hands, but that's okay because I know it's true. Before I came to the Lord, I was a frustrated person. And, you know, I had, you know, I was just talking to Jim yesterday about this. I have pictures in my mind. It's almost like, you know, the old 35 millimeter snapshot. And it's like the Lord took pictures for me periodically through my life, maybe because my memory is not, you know, that great. I don't know. But I can see myself vividly walking with a friend of mine from the high school down along the track going over to the bleachers. This was years ago whenever they, they had uh, assemblies for the, for the football teams and that. Walking over there at the end of the, the day, and I, I can still picture the frustration in my heart as a young man, as 18, frustrated with life. But Christ came in the midst of my frustration, frustration, and he came in the midst of your sin and your walking your own way and your choices and your direction and all that. He came to you and he reached out to you because he loves you. Amazing, amazing that Jesus loves us individually. He loves us all. Well, I mean, why would he even bother? <laughs> a little church, a handful of people. You think he'd have more things to do, you know, with the universe and all the other people in the world, all these other things. You know, Jesus probably has things to do, but see, he comes to you and he loves you. That's the gospel. That's the Lord whom we serve. He's not too busy that he cannot touch your life. He's not too busy. He'll make time for you. If you'll surrender to him and get serious with him and say, okay, Lord, I've tried my own way long enough. Now I'm going to to try your way. I'm going to go your way. He'll come to you and he will touch your life. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to. I don't know about you, but we're moving on. If you want to come, come on. But we're moving on. And Jesus doesn't want anyone lagging behind. Get serious with him. Surrender your heart and life and say, yes, Lord. I'll go your way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray today for each person here. I pray, Lord, that you would come in only the way that you can, Lord, in your, your gentleness and your, your loving hand, Lord, and that you would draw those here, Lord, in this church today, and that there would be a response in their heart, Lord, to you, that they would say, yes, Lord, I will surrender my heart and my life, and I will walk with you. I pray today, Lord, that you would receive from each person here, Lord, the surrender, Lord, that you so desire. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for who you are. 
We want to tell you that we love you and we appreciate you so much. In your name we pray. Rivers of me.